0: Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about secrets of the retirement plan business exposed for plan sponsors, just debunking some of the nonsense that you see and hear and whatnot. You know, it's kind of the turn in the punch bowl commentary for me that keeps me uh, out of uh, being invited to uh, larger events. And speaking of events, of course, this is the time of the show where we are going to talk about the events that are coming up for that 4K conference. Go to that 4k site.com for the information. Before you know it, a couple months away, we got Las Vegas on Friday, January 21, New York, New York, uh, Hotel and Casino on the Strip. Um, should be a lot of fun. Uh, I know a couple of us may be going to the Golden Knights game the night before. Uh, and then, of course, before uh, oh, a week later, we're going to have that 14 national virtual conference, 27th, 28th January. Twenty dollars, twenty two cents to attend. We're adding more and more uh, speakers and sponsors and whatnot, so it's going to be a, a, an interesting event. Um, uh, a lot of different speakers from last year, so it's it's going to be a, a a great event. And then, of course, Miami has been officially booked. Registration is open. That's Friday. June 24th, Lone Depot Park, Miami, Florida, and uh, we'll see the Marlins hopefully get trounced by my Mets that night. Two other dates that are in the midst of being booked, uh, we are going to be in Phoenix at Chase Field on Friday, April the 8th, and we'll be in Charlotte about 11 months away on October the 14th, 2022. That's a Friday as well at Bank of America Stadium, home of the Charlotte Panthers. I'm sorry, the Carolina Panthers. I'm thinking Charlotte and, of course, it's the Carolina Panthers. They played, I think, their first season at Clemson Stadium in South Carolina, so they are the Carolina Panthers. Um, go to that 4 site.com for further information. May, uh, May, I think we'll do an event. We may do one early June. Um, we'll see how it goes I'm um, still trying to book San Diego, but we'll see how that pans out in September, probably going to go to, uh, I'm thinking about Seattle, we'll see how it goes, uh, you know, obviously coronavirus still an issue, um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people with uh, industry events and, you know, we do see, uh, even with the larger events, um, a turn down in, in attendance and, you know, obviously that's a big concern, I don't want to come up with nine events and nobody's going to show up, but. Um, hopefully things will, uh, you know, change around and whatnot. So please go to that foreigncase.com for further information on all our events. You know, the, I'm not a big fan of secrets, uh, or surprises. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, uh, many facets of my role as a risk attorney is to cut through the nonsense, cut through the silliness and, uh, garbage. Um, it's the French word for garbage, uh, I think. Uh, that's going on in the industry. A lot of people like to, uh, you know, use euphemisms, use a little trickery in marketing. And I, I'm, again, I'm the type of person who likes to cut through that. Uh, of course that makes me, uh, popular in a lot of circles and unpopular in a lot of other circles. And this is what it is. Um, number one, uh, the real fiduciary threat doesn't really come from a lawsuit. You know, um, Retirement plan providers have done a very good job in marketing over the last, you know, I want to say since fee disclosure. There were a couple of providers before fee disclosure that really um, narrowed in and talked about the explosion in litigation against retirement plan sponsors. And, you know, we know quite a few, many well-known companies that were sued uh, as a result of that. It's it's, a, it's like, you know, you go to through uh, one of my favorite websites, 401khelpcenter.com, and it's just like you know who, who who's the scapegoat of the week, uh, which of course is a uh, reference to a line in the movie Fletch, uh, you know uh, when uh, Fletch was playing uh, Mr. Poon, who was investigating a fake investigation in the SEC with uh, Boyd, uh, Mr. Boyd of Boyd Aviation. And uh, again, you look at the lawsuits and you want to know who's the scapegoat of the week. But, you know, these are larger employers, and the fact of the matter is I don't want to insult people. But, you know, a small company isn't likely the target of a class action lawsuit. Very, very, very unlikely. I think if you're ever going to get litigation for a small plan, most of the time it's going to be an agreed plan participant who, you know, maybe got terminated and uh, raise a couple of shekels to go off their merry way. Uh, they may very well you know, start like a small nuisance 401k lawsuit. I mean, that's a possibility. Uh, it, I always think about that. I call it the smash and grab case. And the reason I call it the smash and grab case, to me, it's it's, it's, like, a, it's like a petty theft where, you know, not a petty theft, but when somebody goes into the jewelry store, hit, you know, uh, cracks one of the uh, uh, glass cases and just runs off with something. It's smash and grab. And um, when I think about litigation that's smash and grab, I will never forget working for a TPA. Uh, one of my very funny stories, I worked for a TPA. I was not, you know, I, I think if you read anything, I didn't like the chief operating officer. Chief executive officer, uh, whatever, depends on, the, depends on the day and whatnot. Chief operating officer was a miserable man. Uh, a really, you know, I, I used to say that uh, he would lose $5 to save a dollar and be happy about it. So anyway, there's a plan administrator who um, was an Orthodox Jew, um, and the owners of the company were Jewish as well. Um, he was terminated, uh, this administrator, and the reason he was terminated was very, very simple. Uh, he would, I, he, I believe he went on a trip uh, somewhere and or religious holidays, and he claimed to have worked Uh, coming to the office on Sundays to make it up. The problem is that the FOB, the registry of the key FOB usage, indicated that he wasn't there on Sunday, despite his protests. So he was terminated for lying, and he eventually sued uh, my employers for religious discrimination. Now, you know what, these were miserable people, especially the chief operating officer. was a very, very miserable man. And the last thing I would ever say is that he was anti-Semitic. But as a result of the litigation, the administrator walked off with about four thousand um, dollars as a settlement. You know, so I always think of those type of cases. You may have an aggrieved of participant sues the plan sponsor, tries to get a couple shekels to go away, and that's it. Um, you know, you're never gonna, you're not really gonna get a class action lawsuit. You know, uh, class action litigators, the secret sauce to class action litigators is that they front the costs for the litigation themselves with the hope that they are going to recover 33% to 40% plus expenses for bankrolling the lawsuit. So when Jerry Shukla lost the Chevron case, which I believe that was his case, you know, he's out that money. Uh, he's staked out, you know, it's staking out a claim. It's, it's kind of like when somebody's uh, you know, bankrolling somebody to go to the World Series of poker. Um, class action Litigators take these ERISA matters very, very seriously because they're again fronting out expenses and they're not going to bother with a case where the plan sponsor sponsors a, a two, three, four million dollar 401k plan. There's just no money in it. Uh, there have been a handful of small, medium sized cases, but it's it just I could probably count on two hands. The real threat for plant sponsors, is actually a government audit. You know, an IRS DOL audit, to me, is more chilling than anything else. Uh, They're the real threat because the audit is the opportunity when compliance errors that have been ignored and not detected are discovered by a government auditor. Just like when a plant sponsor changes their TPA, um, errors may not come up until that DOL IRS audit. Uh, You know, and, and the problem with these errors popping up uh, is that when the auditor is investigating it, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, savings in terms of, uh, uh, compliance ends doesn't really help. Um, the, uh, it, it's just more costly when it's called an audit than when it's proactively fixed by the plan sponsor. So like, for example, when you have, um, uh, you know, an ADP failure, one of the changes, one of the fixes is obviously refunds to the highly compensated employees. But when that error is detected two, three years later, that refund option is no longer there. And of course, uh, penalties. Auditors can level penalties that, uh, you know, voluntary compliance programs do not. So, uh, you know, this is why it's really important for plain sponsors when they're contacted by the IRS DOL to look at their plans and see if there are any surprises. Because, again, I hate surprises. Next, one of the big secrets out there, a good TPA is going to keep the errors away. Um, I think that, you know, parking my ego aside, I think the most important plant provider that a plant sponsor can hire is a TPA. Uh, With all due respect to risk attorneys, financial advisors, CPAs, uh, other fiduciaries, whatever it is, I really find that the major difference between a plan and compliance hell, and one that is doing quite well, is uh, depending on the TPA they use. Uh, While many compliance errors can be caused by a plan sponsor that provides incorrect information to their TPA in their annual census request, I usually find the TPA to be the main culprit of most compliance errors. That's that's just a fact. That's why it's important to pick a TPA that's going to do a solid job in compliance, rather than focusing on something. As silly as oh, they really charge low fees, or hey, um, they're also my payroll provider, or hey, uh, you know they do everything all at once, that kind of nonsense. You want to get somebody who's uh, excellent at what they do, and you know I think they, you know plan sponsors really need to realize that you know plan sponsors, I'm sorry, that TPAs are are just more importantly just than a price point. Uh, Plan sponsors really need to find a good TPA that's gonna do a uh, heck of a work and picking a TPA because the cheapest is a dumb idea. Next, a good financial advisor is there to minimize liability. Uh, I see too many advisors over the years talking about how they pick mutual funds. You know what, uh, honestly, who cares? <laughs> I mean, really, uh, I think that uh, anybody reading a Morningstar profile could do a half-decent job of picking out mutual funds, index or active, uh, I could read a Morningstar profile too. I mean, that's that's just maybe a little bit more of my arrogance. I'm sure that there are people out there who are excellent at what they do when they uh, pick out actively managed funds, but I really think that the main focus and the main thrust of a good financial advisor is... You know, minimizing the fiduciary liability of a plan sponsor. That means, you know, developing an investment policy statement. That means educating plan participants. Um, that means, you know, offering them a level of protection to protect them under ERISA 404C. Um, you need, you know, plan sponsors need to have a prudent fiduciary process in place. And if they don't have... Um, You know, an IPS, they haven't uh, reviewed their funds in 10 years and haven't provided education to plan participants. Chances are the liability protection of the rest of c is going to go bye-bye. And, of course, I'm referencing my old law firm's 401k plan when I talk about 10 years and whatnot. Such is life. Uh, Another big secret of the 401k industry that I have been hampering, uh, that I've been focusing on, As a plan fiduciary with a plan that I work on, uh, is termination costs the sticker shock? Um, I don't know. Really, most. How do I say this? I want to. You know, I've been fired by a client. Uh, It happens. Uh, It's not personal. It's business. Sometimes, you know, there's a change in in the business, and they no longer need your services or whatever it is, and it's, it's not personal, but um, when I'm terminated, I'm terminated. Uh, I don't charge the client two, $3,000 for termination costs. Yet a TPA does that. Um, a lot of TPAs do that, and I understand that there's a cost involved with transitioning a plan over, but uh, the problem with termination costs from a TPA standpoint that I see is that uh, a lot of times it's uh, – not really talked about in the contract. Um, And I I reference again, a certain TPA um, with offices in two states that uh, we contracted with to provide TPA services of the plan. Contract called for an annual basis. Um, The annual basis contract talked about preparing the 5,500 in the valuation. We paid the TPA $130,000 for 2020. We terminated their services as of February 28th, 2021. The TPA then claimed that for termination costs and for that 2020 5500 valuation, they wanted to charge us $80,000. Um, uh, needless to say, uh, that didn't go very well with me. I, I don't like to pay for something twice. But, uh, you know, this is, a, this, is a, this is an issue. I, I talked to somebody very, very big in the industry uh, probably number one in the industry in terms of uh, movers and shakers. And, you know, he had told me that when it comes to complaints about plan providers, the number one cost is – it also should be noted that uh, um, termination costs can also be, you know, surrender charges, chargers, uh, assessed, uh, you know, uh, you have insurance-based products. Uh, market value adjustments, if you have a stable value that you're switching, um, there's, you know, there's. in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with um, termination costs in, in the sense that I have no problems with any costs that are fully, fully disclosed. Uh, I do have issue, again, with TPAs that, you know, want to punish plan sponsors for leaving so they have a termination fee that is um, uh, uh, not consistent with what other charges there are out there. You know, it's got to be proportional. Last but not least, uh, there is no magic pill that can cure a plant sponsor uh, in terms of uh, liability, uh, in terms of cutting it down. A uh, plan sponsor can only um, minimize their fiduciary liability. They can never fully eliminate it. I don't care what an ERISA 316 or a 338 says Hiring the three hundred sixteen and three hundred thirty-eight may not be a fiduciary um, move; it might be a a a move for a um, set lower. But still, if you hire a three hundred thirty-eight or three hundred sixteen, it steals money. A plan sponsor uh, that's a negligent hiring, and and still there can be uh, liability. So there's always some sort of liability out there, and a a plan sponsor can only you know. Minimize I can never fully eliminate the liability. Last but not least, uh, this is the saying that I always have. There really isn't a solution for everybody. Um, you know, again, a 338 might be a great fit for most plans, uh, but it's not a fit for everybody. You know, I, have a, I, I know quite a few plan sponsors that would never hire versus a 338 because they want to have a, a say in the process. They want to have some sort of control uh, when you hire three thirty eight, you're almost you know out of control, or you have no control. Same thing with three sixteen administrator. So I think that you know, plan sponsors need to realize that um, I don't care what um, is out there. There isn't a solution that's a right fit for everybody. Uh, that's just my two cents. Um, you have you know again. When you have a plan sponsor that's larger and um, has a staff well trained that has knowledge on retirement plans, uh, you know some of the options may not be the right fit for them as it would be for a smaller plan that doesn't have that kind of um, staff. So I think it's important that no matter the gimmick uh, that a plan sponsor is being sold, um, there's nothing in the retirement plan business that is a fit for every plan sponsor. And uh, like with Goldilocks, anything being offered just really has to be just right. Uh, it's just, it's out there, and I don't care if it's New Comp, Safe Harbor, 338, 316, self-directed brokerage window, um, whatever it may be, uh, there isn't just the right fit that fits everybody's needs and wants and whatnot. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of That 4K Podcast, as it's always a joy of mine to uh, uh, bring it to you and of course go to that 4k site.com for further information on all our events Las Vegas the virtual event the following week as well as um, Phoenix Miami Charlotte and soon to be announced other dates looking at New Orleans in November Seattle maybe for September May June that's kind of I may go with one and then go with the other so we'll see how it plays out and we hope that uh, you can be part of it, uh, and of course, for those events, it's, it's not much to attend, and uh, you know it's always a, it's a joy to uh, you know have them, and I hope that we continue to have them uh, as long as we have the interest and the plan, uh, we have the sponsorship of the plan providers, we should be there. So again, go to that for for, case for further information. Thanks. Hope to hear from you guys. Hope to hope you guys show up next week. Thanks. Bye.